I ended up in this Golgari deck that splashed red with six red gates. <laughs> six red oh, gates. I saw the like, picture. It was like this greedy, like, I think I only had one straight up red card. The 6-5 that has to attack. The name I can't oh, yeah. remember. Oh, it has to attack. What a oh, drawback. Yeah. Six, five, oh, no. five. <laughs> oh, no. I think I was going to keep it on defense. Yeah, just hang out with it. There's actually a nice moto photo, speaking of having to attack, where in modern, somebody was playing the mono blue Tron deck, which loops Mind Slaver yeah. over and over again. And the other person was playing Electro Dominance Living End, <laughs> but had uh, Monstrous Carabin. Oh, oh, yeah. 4 4 that has to attack. So they got him in the loop, but couldn't block it or kill it. So they just died to it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. You rarely see a Mind Slaver lock go wrong. Yeah. That seems, <laughs> seems pretty rough. Welcome to the 26th episode of Let's Remember Some Cards, the magic podcast that is here to remember the cards, decks, and stories that make magic the game we love. Hello, I'm David Prestwood. And I'm Christian Wright. This week, we're going to continue our look back at the guilds that appeared in the first two Ravnica blocks. When Guilds of Ravnica was the current set, we remembered cards from the five guilds from the previous Ravnica blocks that appeared in that set. Now that Ravnica Allegiance is the current set, we'll be remembering cards from the remaining five two-color guilds. Let's kick it off today with the Shady Orzov Syndicate. To help us, we welcome our local affinity enthusiast and current SCG tour and boss, Eric Hawkins. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're excited. Absolutely. We're so excited you talk about the greedy yet very pious Orzov Syndicate. But before we do that, let's do what we always do and hit the random card button. Let's remember that. So this week, our card is Telemann Performance. Telmer Performance was a rare from Conflux. It was three blue-blue for a sorcery. It reads, target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts all non-creature cards revealed this way into their graveyard. Then you put the creature card onto the battlefield under your control. Ooh, nice. You get to play with your opponent's cards. I'm in. This is like obviously super great if anybody has very, very large cards, so... I've actually seen it a lot in Legacy when it was first printed with cards like Burning Wish in the Epic Storm. So you could either steal like your opponent's Gristle Brand or their Emrakul, or in the Mirror Match, they just don't have creatures, so they just mill themselves out and die. <laughs> Interesting that unlike a lot of these cards, it doesn't shuffle them back in, it doesn't put them on the bottom, they just uh, dump them straight into the yard. I did a check because I had to jog my memory, and it is a consistent sideboard card in Legacy Storm now, and since it was printed. It's only a one of. You're never going to see a spike on Telman performance. You know, <laughs> knock on wood, there's going to be a spike next week. But did you play this at all, Eric, when it was standard legal? I didn't play it necessarily when it was standard legal. I did play it a lot when it first came out in standard, uh, like I said, for like the Storm Mirror matches. And it actually got to a point where you would play Xanid Swarm in your sideboard to fight the blue non-removal creature or spell decks and then you would just board in a xanad swarm against other people playing telemann performance they would just like end up with this zero one insect that could do nothing with <laughs> that's uh that's pretty nice yeah. this card makes me want to board in phage oh man <laughs> single phage in my creatureless deck <laughs> your other storm opponents just like i got them i'm just gonna burning wish and then get telemans performance and then just target it at dave and just like mills until he hits phage and dies uh there's always a place for phage oh yeah 
Well, that was an excellent discussion about Telm's performance, but now let's dive into the Orzov Syndicate, the black-white guild of both Return to Ravnica and the original Ravnica blocks. What exactly is the philosophy of the color pair and of the guild in general? Orzov is, they kind of masquerade as a religious group uh, with the oligarchs and kind of like their hierarchy, but really what they are is like the big bank. Uh, you can come to them to get like money but they're just extremely corrupt. They only value wealth and power. One of their big things is that your debts are paid even after death. So that's kind of like one of their, their mechanics that kind of like always comes up is like if something dies, it kind of like leaves behind something. It's because they're still paying off the debt to the Orzov Guild. So they're basically like Amazon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just exactly Amazon. Okay. I was going to say that or a student loan service. Like <laughs> that, that's good. You <laughs> yeah. know, you're always going to be paying someone, right? It, it is like that. I mean, a lot of the imagery on the cards there, were, you know, you have people in miters, you know, and looking <laughs> like religious figures and student loan companies are kind of like that. They say, Hey, you know, we're helping you get an education. We're doing this great thing for you. Like <laughs> now we're going to take your teeth while you're sleeping. <laughs> let's go through all the Orzov cards and let's really prove that it is the absolute best guild. As we've discussed in our prior guild episodes, one of the best ways to tell what the color pairs are supposed to do is to look at the guild mages. These are the ground floor for what the color pair is trying to accomplish. Yeah, so each Ravnica block had a guild mage for each guild. Each one is a two-mana 2-2. Two -two. It's either a wizard or a shaman. In the original Ravnica block, each costs two hybrid mana. So in this case, white-white, uh, black-black, or white-black. And then in the RTR block, they each cost one of each mana in the color pair. So let's get to our guild mages. Our first one from Guild Pact is Orzov Guild Mage. It's the two hybrid mana for a human wizard. It's a 2-2, as they all are, and it has two abilities. Two and a white, target player gains one life. Two and a black, each player loses one life. This is an interesting one. Yeah, uh, Orzov Guild Mage, while not being super powerful without like some way of generating infinite mana, it definitely just states kind of what's going on. Each player losing one life um, is just kind of like what Orzov does. Everybody can lose life, but then target player gains a life is just like, well, that's just going to be me. I'm just going to gain right. life. Like, I could give it to you. I have all this money, but you can't have any, so I'll just choose me again. And so, I mean, it just kind of speaks to how Orzov works. From what I remember in Limited, it wasn't the hotness, but, you know, that last ability, it was kind of a clock. The next guild mage is Vizcopa guild mage from Gatecrash. 2-2 Human Wizard. Its abilities are 1 white and a black. Target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. And then also 1 white and a black. Whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. So before we talk about the card, I just want to note the effect on the second ability there is the Exquisite Blood effect. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses that much life, which is famous for the combo with Sanguine Bond, where whenever your opponent loses life, you gain that much life. It's just an infinite combo. You hit one part of the trigger and then they lose all their life and you gain all of the life. So this is another combo with that card that you see in Commander and a number of other formats occasionally. Yeah, I've, I've actually, working at a game shop, I've sold many a copy of Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond and Viscopa Guild Mage. And then the question that comes after that is like, is there anything else like this? Can, 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 can I replicate this any more times? And um, there, there's not really, but there's like small ones, but yeah. Yeah. I think there's a new one. There's like a seven mana vampire that has that effect on it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nothing exciting. All right. With the guild mages out of the way, let's move on to the list. Remember, uh, for these, we only look at cards with the relevant guild mark. So these cards need to have an Orzov guild mark, not be part of a split card with another guild mark on it, 
and be from the original Ravnica block and return to Ravnica blocks. So we'll put a list of the eligible cards in the show notes for this show. Normally we do a top eight for the guilds. We're going to get a little greedy this time in the Orzov spirit, and we're going to give you a top 10 or maybe 12. You know, we'll sneak something in there and break the rules. That's kind of what the Orzov do. Eric, as you were looking at cards you wanted to talk about today, was there a theme or what were you looking for? There wasn't necessarily, I guess, a theme. I kind of wanted to encompass all of the different types of good Orzov cards. They all kind of have a little bit of something different, but they all kind of bring it back to gaining or using life or death some way. All right. Well, that being said, let's start with the first one that certainly does that. This is Blood Baron of Viscopa. It is three white black for a 4-4 vampire. It has lifelink. It has protection from white and from black. And then this crazy line of text, as long as you have 30 or more life and an opponent has 10 or less life, Blood Baron of Viscopa gets plus six, plus six, and has flying? <laughs> this card is just the weirdest card that I've seen when it was like played in standard because protection from white, protection from black are both very good, but it also basically meant it was like unblockable in standard. And then it just like gains flying for no reason because you couldn't block it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so really it just became a 10-10 when you, when you had 30 life. It's like, if you were going to win the game, just win the game really a lot. Right. And that's like basically the text on the card. From what I remember, this was played in like control decks, right? As, a, as like a sideboard finisher? In... Uh, they were in the control decks and the mid-range, yeah. Right. But I always thought it was funny when you had dueling blood barons across the table from each other. And you were like, oh, this game's just, this is not going to end, like. Yeah, it was especially funny in the dedicated Orzhov decks where it's like, okay, so we can't block each other's Blood Barons. We can't target each other's Blood Barons with anything. I guess we just, like, they just smash past each other repeatedly and nothing happens. Whoever draws the second one first wins. You know, it was fun to see this card come back in Iconic Masters where they printed it at Rare. That was kind of a weird draft format where they just <laughs> threw a bunch of random stuff in. I mean, it Viscopa Guildmaid was in there too, because why not? I, I saw this uh, on different tables during those drafts a couple of times, and every time I was like, what, what do you even do? You can't kill it, and yeah. you can't block it. And then like that, that, like back to your point of like when they were just like, there was two of them on the board, it was like always just kind of weird because you had to attack. Mm -hmm. You couldn't not attack. You could be the first, first person to stop. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, the only way you can really beat this card is by attacking through it. And you kind of just like send people into like the meat grinder. <laughs> All right, what are our next two cards? Uh, the next two cards are two of my favorites, Ghost Council or the Orzova and Obzadat Ghost Council. Both of them just kind of are the, the leaders of the Orzov guild. So I'll read both of these cards and then we can kind of talk about them together because they are very similar. Ghost Council of Orzova is white, white, black, black for a 4-4 legendary spirit. When Ghost Council of Orzova enters the battlefield, target opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. And then you could pay one and sacrifice a creature to exile Ghost Council, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Obzidat Ghost Council was one white, white, black, black for a 5-5. Five, five. So you pay an additional generic mana for one more power and toughness. It's a legendary spirit advisor. So you get an extra creature type as well. When this enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And then at the beginning of your end step, you may exile this. And if you do, you return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of your next upkeep. And then it gains haste. Obzidat Ghost Council is basically a nuclear version of Ghost Council of Orzova. Yeah, I mean, it def you definitely see the step up in like power level. 
But one thing I do want to br bring in Ghost Council's favor, well, I guess they're both Ghost Council, Ghost Council of the Orzova's favor, is that there was like actually like spirit synergies at the time, mm -hmm. which was like actually really cool. Also, just like being a sacrifice outlet uh, for a lot of your other cards, like, you know, for the mechanic haunt. Mm -hmm. um, if any of your creatures, like when they died, they did something. It has more like flexibility where I think Obzadad is just like a more powerful, just big card. Yeah, I agree with that. Ghost Council of Orsova, you could block something and then, or, you know, block two things, then sack one of the creatures you blocked with and then exile this and it comes back. Mm -hmm. um, with Obzadad, if you want the Enters the Battlefield ability, it can't block. You're, it's gone for your opponent's turn. And this is also too, um, Ghost Council of Orzova was printed when damage is on the stack. So it was uh, a lot more powerful than it reads now. Um, it kind of now reads as basically a sack outlet, you know, that does some cool stuff and can be your commander. But back then, like, you could sack, you know, block with two creatures, both damage on the stack, sacrifice Ghost Council, and kill it, and you still have your Ghost Council because, you know, they're, they're ghost leaders and they will never go away. It's funny how these have kind of tracked each other. So Ghost Council of Orzova was reprinted in Modern Masters 2015, and then Obzadok Ghost Council was reprinted in Modern Masters 2017. And so it's just like a little bit ahead every time. <laughs> you just get the, the bigger, more powerful one later. Do you think that Ghost Council is like the Ghost Council of the Orzova is leaving, and then then the Obzadak comes back and, like as the, uh, the oh, Ghost Council again? That's flavorful. I like that. I like it. Our next card is Orzov Pontiff. Orzov Pontiff is one white black for a 1-1 human cleric. It has haunt. When this creature dies, you exile it haunting target creature, which we'll explain. When Orzov Pontiff enters the battlefield or the creature it haunts dies, you choose one. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn, or creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. So haunting a creature is kind of like being exiled with it or enchanting it, but you can't really interact with a haunted creature. It's like a spirit kind of sitting in the background. And it creates this interesting situation where you get the effect once and then you can get the effect again. Yeah, I thought like Haunt was definitely interesting because like when you played it in Limited, it was always a decision. But when you played it in Constructed, it always like went to the creature you wanted to throw away the most. But definitely in Limited, I thought this this uh, this mechanic was just like super awesome and like really, really inter or interesting because you would just like, well, I guess we're going to put it on your creature that you want to chump block with. And then I'll get this awesome benefit of, in this case, like probably minus one, minus one to your entire team, which makes them really bad in combat. So now you just can never block with this one, one that you no longer want. And there, there was a lot of lines like that, because I, I remember that too. And sometimes you didn't have a choice. Sometimes you had to put it on your opponent's creature. But um it made it a lot more interesting. Whereas, I'm not going to lie, I think I, I've only played Orzov Pontiff as the only haunt creature <laughs> played in a constructed <laughs> match of magic, and it is definitely not as interesting. This card is mostly famous for being a one of in the Birthing Pod decks. Uh, you know, a real nice toolboxy piece to go get. Um, it was in the sideboard of the uh, Obzon Company decks for a long time. Don't really see it a lot now because there aren't as many 1-1s flopping around, but if it's a silver bullet you need, give everything minus one, minus one. Oh, your opponent flashes back their lingering souls. Guess what? I'll do it again. Uh, really nice in both of those decks. It's yeah, as a former company player slash pod player, it was great in the mirror match. Just killed all the birds of paradises, noble hierarchs uh, that were just kind of floating around. And as a current uh, affinity player, 
it basically is just Wrath of God at instant speed uh, with either Court of Calling or Collected Company. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. It's actually ironic because for an Orzhov card, it really hoses one of the best white-black cards they've ever printed. So speaking of Haunt, let's talk about Blind Hunter. So it's a 2-2 bat for two white and black. It is flying, and as we talk about Haunt, you know, when it dies, it exile it, haunting a creature. And then when it enters the battlefield or the creature it haunts dies, target player loses two life and you gain two life. Yeah, this guy's nice. I put this card specifically on the list because I felt like it was one of the most Orzhov cards there is. The stats are kind of not great, right? Four mana for a 2-2 flyer is not the best body. But when it comes into play, it kind of like has like a weird, almost like double haste where it like does a four-point life swing right when it hits the battlefield. When your opponent loses two life, you gain two life. But then it haunts, so it like does something after death, and then it drains again. It gives you another like four-point life swing. So like it kind of felt like it encompassed everything, where like the creature's not great, but it has a cool ability, and then it dies, and it has the cool ability again. And so I, I felt like it was like one of the most Orzhov cards that I saw on the list. Yeah, and this is a common. <laughs> yeah. Those are around in that limited format. This is a popper cube auto include. I did a lot of OG Ravnica drafts, and I probably have like ten or eleven of these because they were they were very fantastic. And also, it was the start of kind of a of a mechanical identity for Orzov, and they and they continue to have creatures that drained when they come into play. And yeah, I mean the, the easiest analog here obviously is Grasping Thrall on the new set, which is three white black for a three three that drains for two. You know, you don't get the haunt or anything, but five mana for a three three flyer is rate, and so you play that, and you're like, we're really doing it. Oh yeah, I'm glad that they've kept it going because um, Warzovs doesn't have a whole lot that sticks out from it, especially since it had two duds of mechanics overall. I mean, one one was fantastic, but we'll never see the light of play, and the other was too complicated, and <laughs> never see the light of play again. So I'm glad that they can focus on the whole life gain and drain aspect of their identity. I think that people remember a lot more, as you were talking about, Eric. All right, our next one, I'm going to let uh, Eric handle these two. <laughs> All right, so our next two are, well, both of the Tesas from the uh, first two Ravnica sets. This is probably my favorite Orzov character of all time. I'm going to start off with the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call her the, the worst of the two, I guess. Tesa, Envoy of Ghosts. She is a legendary human advisor for seven mana, five colorless, white, black. Uh, she has Vigilance, Protection from Creatures. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, destroy that creature, create a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying, and she's a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, so 4-4 four, four, Vigilance, Protection from Creatures. That kind of blocks fairly well. And if there are things you can't block or don't want to block, your opponent just loses them, and then you get a 1-1 one, one spirit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and this is the bad one. Yeah, so <laughs> seven mana is a lot. What a world! But what a uh, world. you know, it seems like that's a nice way to win the game. I mean, it's on. I guess I should note protection from creatures also just makes it unblockable, right? You know, and with vigilance, you're just getting in for four every turn. Yeah, you get to block their biggest threat. You get to attack through their threats, and then you just get an army of little spirit tokens that you can use whatever for. Um, obviously seven mana is a huge cost, but when you see this, uh, creature, a lot of the times you see it in, you know, commander, uh, you didn't see it a lot in standard, but you could see it in like limited as like kind of like your end game. Mm -hmm. So 
we talked earlier about bomb Orzhov enchantments, and this is an honorary one, because basically you are attacking, so I guess you are dealing damage, so it's not really an enchantment, but that second ability, oh boy, if you resolve that in a in limited, that was uh, that was pretty backbreaking. Yeah, especially if you're in a place where, you know, you're playing a dedicated Orzhov deck where you're gaining a lot of life, you know, you can probably take hits from some creatures and let them be destroyed. It puts your opponent in a really difficult situation. Right. Yeah, and actually, uh, the uh, the ability is a enchantment from a long time ago. No, no mercy, mm-hmm. and that card was definitely a limited bomb. Like you just like if your opponent played no mercy, you just got one attack with every creature that you ever played, and that was it. That was the end of it. Yep. And um, I mean, Tasa just kind of gets to do that, and you know, maybe there's ways to cheat her into play. Um, and or like you were saying, if you just have a life buffer, you can just cast her at seven mana, and it's totally fine. All right, how about uh, other Tesa? Uh, Tesa Orzov Scion uh, is probably one of my favorite creatures in all of Magic. Uh, she's a legendary human advisor. Sacrifice three white creatures, exile target creature. Whenever another black creature you control dies, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. And she's a 3-mana 2-3. So we went from a 3-mana 2-3 to a 7-mana 4-4 four, four Vigilance Protection from Creatures. <laughs> Tesla has been working out. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't isn't like I'm not too hip on the whole Ravnica timeline and Vorthos all that. But isn't this isn't this young Tesa and then Tesa Envoy of Ghost is old badass Tesa? Uh yeah, I mean like a little bit. She's uh so the Orzov Zion is she's kind of the one they picked to go talk to all the other guilds um and like kind of represent the the Orzov clan or the or- Orzov syndicate and then obviously later on she's like the envoy of ghosts so she's just been kind of around there she's kind of like one of the figureheads which makes her a very old but also sure. just like one of the biggest you know people in the whole syndicate she's gone from like ambassador to secretary of state basically. yeah a- absolutely and now the most recent version of Tesa it's sort of closer to the older Tesa in the sense that it's four mana for a two four Apparently she was in jail and she didn't really work out a lot. Like, so she atrophied a bit, but you know, <laughs> these yeah, things happen. These things happen. Taste of of Sign wants you to have black and white creatures more than anything else. You know, when your black creatures die, it gives you the fuel, the one, one white spirits. So you can sacrifice three and exile a creature. I mean, how often are you sacrificing three to exile a creature with this card? Actually quite a bit, which is like the crazy part. Obviously, if you just have multicolor creatures, it's super great. Mm-hmm. But just like bringing in like small black creatures before her and then just chump blocking, suicide attacking, sacrificing for any gain, something like maybe Viscera Seer or something like that, just like gets you these white spirit tokens. And then if your opponent just like plays a creature you can't deal with, you just like have essentially like swords to plowshares just like hanging out i mean it costs you three creatures but i mean like now they don't have you know their their angel or whatever they cast so this makes me really want to play with the afterlife cards from revnica allegiance that give you black and white spirit tokens so you sacrifice three of them to exile a creature and then you get three one one white spirit (laughs) creature tokens and sacrifice those to exile another creature gross oh yeah yeah and if you can ever make black white tokens yeah, uh, that's that's when it gets real great, because then if you make it like if you combine the two and say, like, maybe a commander deck, right, your yeah. opponent attacks you a few times, you give black white tokens, you can sacrifice the black white spirit tokens to Tesa and then just get 
three more tokens. So they just like essentially never have another creature in play ever. Yeah, and Tesa was a, a highlight, um, along with Ghost Council Warzova, in Olivier Ruel's Pro Tour Honolulu 2006 deck, famously the guy on the other end of the char top deck. Um, <laughs> oh, right. But Olivier played three Tesa, and it was basically a black-white aggro deck. It had three Umazawa's Jitte, but also all of its creatures did things, and like cards were discarded, and, you know... Very powerful. I mean, it obviously got top eight for Pro Tour, but um, Tesa was definitely an engine card in that deck. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head for how Orzov is described. When everybody's trying to describe a uh, an Orzov like constructed deck, you're like, it's an aggressive ish kind of grindy ish <laughs> has some stuff it can do deck, and you're like, why why isn't it an aggro deck? It plays like ten one drops, and you're like, well, they don't. They kind of attack, but then they just like something happens and then they start dying and they come back as something else. And you know, maybe there's like some blood artist or something that's doing stuff right. or whatever. And so I, I think that's kind of like exactly what Tesa is. And that's why she's like one of my favorite cards. One of our buddies has a commander cube and I end up drafting exactly that deck every single time <laughs> and they basically just pull tesa out of the commander binder and put it in front of me because they just like know it and i'm like no i'm not going to draft it this time i promise and at the end i'm like i don't know how it happened i have all these black white cards again. <laughs> that's so weird <laughs> <laughs> well on that note on cards that help make it aggressive yet grindy we have a standout orzov two drop cartel aristocrat so Cartel Aristocrat, Human Advisor, Sacrifice Another Creature, Cartel Aristocrat gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn, and it is a 2-2 for a white and a black. Uh, this card was uh, in, once again, I'm going to reference one of my favorite decks, which was the Junk Aristocrats. Aristocrat got its name essentially from this card, because it is the Aristocrat, and it really never was a 2-2. There was like a few ways, like, I believe the card's name is Veral's, that could beef it up by removing creatures from the graveyard to put plus one plus one counters on it. So you would end up with like a five five cartel aristocrat that was a protection from like all of your your opponent's stuff. And you know, like even in like limited, you could do things to kind of just like get more power on on cartel aristocrat and kind of get through your opponents. Yeah, Doom Traveler was legal in this standard format with cartel aristocrat. So I remember a lot of times you'd go cart- uh, you'd go Doom Traveler. Cartel Aristocrat attack. Now I have two ways to not have my Cartel Aristocrat die, which was great. It was stealthy. I remember I remember seeing this card. In fact, I'll speak for myself. I remember seeing this card and be like, it's okay. Like, you know, you have to sacrifice another creature. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> this does this does work. <laughs> yeah. The the fact that it's like, you're like, ah, oh, well, it's just kind of a two-two. But then you're like, you're kind of like mowing through all the other creatures, but they all come back, like you said, like like uh Doom Traveler was legal. Voice of Resurgence was another one that like made another creature. Lingering Souls was legal, so you just had like four creatures there. It's like you couldn't really get to a point where you're at like ten life because you're not blocking for the next couple of turns. Mm-hmm. And then I think Blood Artist, yeah, definitely Blood Artist was legal at that time. So then that's just like a sacrifice. That's the two damage printed on Cartel Aristocrat. Any pumps plus a drain. It was just a, just a crazy good card. Probably one that we probably won't see again ever. Just because, like, sacrificing a creature for no cost outside of just sacrificing the creature is probably too powerful now. 
Wizards has really gone away from the cost-free sacrifice outlets. Uh, I think Nantuko Husk was the last one we saw uh, in Magic Origins. There are cards now where I would play them if they just said sacrifice a creature for no effect. Yeah. And we just, you know, they're not willing to give us that. So it's funny because you talk about that because you have the the evolution of Cartel Aristocrat, which is Pitiless Pontiff, which is in Ravnica Allegiance. It's black and white for a 2-2 vampire cleric, but it's not a free sacrifice. You have to pay a colorless mana and sacrifice another creature and it gains death touch and indestructible. And that's good, but it's not Cartel Aristocrat. Like, come on. It, it's not. I mean, the card's incredible and limited because your opponent can either basically never block it or never attack through it. But it's not a con- people card that people are playing in Constructed, for example. Just, well, like, you, you definitely... I mean, like, the one mana is definitely a huge hindrance to, like, any of these, like, weird, you know, sacrifice infinite mm-hmm. combo style decks. But, like, even in Limited, it's just gonna, like... means that you have to, like, play off curve. Yep. And the other thing is, is, like, your opponent gets the choice to block it. With Cartel Aristocrat, they never got a choice. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it was just like, well... I guess I don't have to block it yet, and then now it's finally like, okay, I can block it, and like I'll lose a creature, I guess. But with Cartel, you just never got that choice. I try to reference random stuff in our podcasts, and I'm definitely going to reference a pavement song. It's called Gold Sounds. It's from their album Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. And really, I just want to go back to the gold cards you know, of my yesteryear, and this is one of them. Like, We don't need this new stuff. Just bring back Cartel Aristocrat, and that's about as far as the reference goes. <laughs> it's a good album. It's a great People album. People should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next card is one that I love. It is Blind Obedience. It is a rare from Gatecrash. It is one and a white for an enchantment. Artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped, but it also has Extort. Extort is an ability that whenever you cast a spell, you may pay either black or white, represented by a black white hybrid mana symbol. If you do, each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life. So a couple of things here. One is, this is the old templating where instead of each opponent losing a life and you gain one life, you would gain that much life. So this is a commander all-star. All of the extort creatures are pretty good in commander. All of them were busted in two-headed giant in that format, which is just totally nuts. Extort is a very cool mechanic. One, uh, before we get into it, one commander note as well. Because the black-white mana symbol is in the reminder text, it does not count as color identity for the card. So, for example, you could play Blind Obedience in a mono-white commander deck. It's a weird rules quirk. (laughs) I'll just speak about Blind. I am one of the victims of trying to play the two-headed giant format. It was really annoying. Blind Obedience is also up there because all I wanted to do was attack my cool boys. And instead, I had to wait, and that's not cool. Like, just let me attack. Let me just let... I, I, I don't want my blockers to not block either. Like, what the hell, man? What the hell? We just talk about a couple of other extort cards. I think the critical one is Pontiff of Blight. Pontiff of Blight was uh, four black black. It was a rare from Dragon's Maze for a 2-7 zombie cleric, and it had extort. But it has the text, other creatures you control have extort. Yeah, this so. card is just pretty bonkers. Um Referencing my friend's Commander Cube again, and what you said earlier about Commander, I didn't realize that it was the the each opponent loses and you mm-hmm. gain. And uh, so, like the first time I ever had an extort card, I was just like, "I'll pay one." So I go from you know forty to forty one, and you're like, "No, forty four. And I was like, "Oh, this is great." <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
the other thing is is with his decks or with his uh with his cube um white in that in this cube makes a lot of tokens oh yeah so pots of life is just crazy because you get all of this mana and commander and you're like i guess i'll cast this two drop spell i'm not casting anything else i'll tap five mana i guess everybody you all lose one life and i just gain uh well i guess there's three of you times five so 15 i guess that's uh, that's fine <laughs> like just never die yeah totally unreasonable <laughs> yeah. all of these cards have been good yeah if there's ever been an incentive for playing one mana off curve it's extort our next card is debtor's knell debtor's knell is an enchantment for four orzov 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 but seven mana three of them orzov hybrid mana at the beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? <laughs> no, what a powerful ability. I mean, it's not just your graveyard like a lot of these cards. It's from any graveyard under your control. And it happens at the beginning of every upkeep. So casting a seven mana enchantment that does nothing the turn you play it takes a lot. But if you've gained a lot of life and you've stabilized, like this card is great. I mean, it does what it says on the 10, right? Like, you survived that long? Congratulations. You're going to start stealing everyone's creatures. Um, it was played in standard very briefly. It was a, usually a finisher. Like, you killed everything with your control deck, and now you get to play with the cards they destroyed. But yeah, it's a just an EDH all-star. And I mean, it's very... I wish sometimes... It, I, don't, I don't know if you'd agree, Eric. I wish sometimes that... Wizards kind of went a little more on the reanimate side for Orzov instead of just, you know, ghosty boys. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that because, like, this card is kind of what Orzov does, right? Like, you're not done yet and you have to come back. Like, the, you're you're back on my battlefield or, like, even your opponent's creatures come back to you because, like, they did some wrong to you or something like that. Well, they owe you a debt. Right? Exactly. And so they're going to serve you on the battlefield to destroy <laughs> their master. <laughs> I actually remember Debtor's Knell in um, one of my one of my good friends, Pat McGregor, was playing um, this really weird standard deck that was like black white control, and it had the the Kamigawa Dragons in it. Mm-hmm. it was kind of the finishers, so you could get like a Yose Lock, where you get so those that are not familiar with the Yose Lock <laughs> is that um, at the time when two legendary creatures were in play, they would. Both they they would uh, was it one of them would die? No, or they both, both die. No, they, they both die. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what it is. The, yep. the current one is that one of them would die, so they would both die. And Yose makes you tap five permanents, and then that person skips their next untap phase, so they would just get to skip two untap phases with ten tapped permanents. Then you'd bring Yose back out, and then you'd bring Yose back out again, and then they would just be like, "Oh, I was about to untap," and you're like, "No, you're never untapping. This is how this works." Um, and then eventually you get them with the Kokusho that you played sure. at some point in the interim. <laughs> and Kokusho was the one that drained. So it, uh, your opponent lost five and you gained five whenever you would, when it went to the back, yeah. to the graveyard. Uh, so. so like Extort, Kokusho is each opponent loses five. <laughs> <laughs> I get an honorary and you gain that much life. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I bet they'll both, I mean, this, this, uh, Kamigawa was the block before Ravniko. So yeah, they're both you know honorary Orzov dragons. You know, I, yeah. I'm down with that. Wouldn't be Orzov without a big enchantment. We also have some small enchantments. The first one is Gift of Orzova. It's one Orzov hybrid. Orzov hybrid for a creature aura, and enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying and lifelink. So that's a lot on one enchantment. This card does a lot of different things. 
I never felt like this card went on a on a creature that was just fair. Mm -mm. I feel like this always goes on a creature that just can't be targeted. You know, is like, oh, uh, something to the effect of Geisus Ain't Draft. Oh yeah, where you just like make it into a three three flying lifelink hexproof creature that makes a four four when you attack. <laughs> is <laughs> like, that good? <laughs> I, I think that's pretty good. But I just like I, I've never seen Gift Orzova like just like on a random two two, and you're like, hey, I guess I'll give it flying and lifelink. It's <laughs> <Just>, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. This um this card also I should note was a really sought after foil for purely aesthetic reasons. The art is beautiful. It's this angel with these stained glass wings, and the foil was gorgeous. Uh, it got a reprint in Modern Masters 2017, and anytime you get a reprint in a master set where there's a foil in every pack, you know it increases the supply significantly. So that's no longer the case, but um, you should check it out. You find a chance to get a foil, pick one out. They're real nice. I I legitimately think this is one of the five prettiest arts they've made since 2000, like since probably the new card frame. I'll put it out there. Like it is legitimate. Like I've seen play mats of this and it's one of the few play mats I actually want to own. It is so absolutely gorgeous. The last card we want to talk about today in our top 10 Orzov cards is Pillory of the Sleepless. Yeah, Pillory of the Sleepless is amazing. It's one white black for a creature aura. This was originally a common from Guild Pact. And Enchanted Creature can't attack or block. But it also says Enchanted Creature has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life. Yikes. Yeah, this card, obviously great and limited, because pacifism is just great and limited. This is just one more mana for just slowly bleeding your opponent to death. One that always like, gets me back is that Pillory of the Sleepless was in this awesome standard deck with spirits. So with Kamigawa, there was a spirit that said whenever you play a spirit arcane spell, you can go through your deck and find an aura and put it in your hand. And it just like felt like every single time it just got one of these. And all of your creatures could never attack, and you're just getting drained for like four life. Uh, the spirit that I'm talking about is called Talowisp, which is a 1-3 for a white and a callus. It was pretty spicy, and... Uh... It also really worked well with other Orzov cards because they were also spirits, or they put into play spirits. So it was a nice little, uh, nice little way to synergize your deck there. You know, glad you know Wizards really thought that one through. It was really nice. Yeah, this is a great limited card. This, along with Gift of Orzova, are both Orzov cards that are in the Popper Cube. Uh, when they reprinted this in Modern Masters 2015 and also in Masters 25, they bumped it up to Uncommon for good reason. That little extra. Um, life loss every turn really changes what happens in a game you can't go long if you're dropping a life every turn to this and you now have your best creature unable to do anything uh i definitely like the fact that they're willing to make uh concessions to limited mm -hmm. because i remember playing this in guild pact and it definitely was just oh my opponent had three of them you know and it's like i just you can't beat getting lightning bolted every single turn um you know but then uh, bump it up to Uncommon, you might see a deck with two of them. You're not going to see a deck with three or four or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like that they, they definitely keep Limited in their head when they're building these cards. Mm -hmm. And you have to also realize too, listeners, um, we aren't joking at how ubiquitous it was. Like This was one of the best cards to open in that Limited format, but it was also incredibly easy to splash off of because you had Signets at Common, 
So it was real easy to be like, I'll just pick up an Orzhov Signet to play so I could play Pillar the Sleepless, right? And you also had Bounce Lands at Common. So there was another way for you to splash any spell you wanted to play. Like, it was really a fantastic draft format. But, you know, it is a little annoying when, as as uh, Eric says, you could your opponent plays their fourth and you're like, well, this was if fun at some point. <laughs> if you survive the first three and then they play the fourth. Let's just say uh, mistakes were made, <laughs> as they often are. <laughs> but don't, doesn't take doesn't detract at all from how great... Uh, original Ravnica drafting is. Please, every player should do that once in their life. It is fantastic. All right, so that is our top eight. Uh, I mean, 10, uh, I mean, 12 <laughs> cards from Orzov. Uh, we had Blood Baron of Viscopa, the Ghost Councils of Orzova and Obzadot Ghost Council, Orzov Pontiff, Blind Hunter, Tesa Envoy of Ghosts, and Tesa Orzov Scion, Cartel Aristocrat, Blind Obedience, Debtor's Knell, Gift of Orzova, and Pillory of the Sleepless. Absolutely fantastic. But before we go, Eric, can you talk about White Weenie in current the current standard format? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This deck is just incredible. Uh, it actually reminds me a lot of uh, Affinity in Modern, uh, where you play a bunch of kind of mopey cards that get better when there's more of them. Uh, like Snubhorn Century kind of comes to mind. Um, if you get uh, 10 permanents, it becomes a 3-3, which is like Wild Nakata, which is great. You even have like an, two affinity cards in the fact that you have Conclave Tribunal and Venerated Loxanon. If you could just tell me that like, Mirror Enforcer having affinity for, or putting plus one, plus one counters on everything that gave it affinity uh, would be pretty great. <laughs> uh, I'd be totally in for that. Um, yeah, I think the deck's just super powerful. And um, since we're talking about the Orzov Syndicate, there's a couple of cards from there and uh, probably an honorary card. There's a couple of cards that when they die, they kind of come back as well. So... Um, a little bit of everything, and I think the deck is just awesome. If you're going to play standard, you should definitely definitely give it a try. I think it's one of the best. Um, personally, I think it's the best deck in standard. Well, we wanted to uh, congratulate you on your two recent SCG top eights at a classic and an open uh, with the White Weenie deck. Always exciting to see. Normally, people come on the podcast and then they top eight major events. So you, you've done the reverse order. I'm interested to see where that takes you in the future. We also wanted to send a shout out to our friend Eli Loveman, who remembered Boros with us, who just top aided GP Memphis with a white weenie deck. No splashes, just straight up white weenie. So a lot of power going around there. Um, I have something else I wanted to talk about before we go. Uh, many of you may be familiar with Gow magic as a way to crack packs, where you take a pack of cards and usually you make five three card hands and then you play a game against your opponent who does the same thing where you play five different games, one with each of your miniature packs. Each player has five life and unlimited mana. And so you try to see who can win the most games out of a pack. Fun way just to crack a pack, have a good time. I want to talk about multiplayer Pygow. Okay. (laughs) We have invented slash discovered multiplayer Pygow. This is how it works. You need four players. Each player has a pack. Rules are basically the same. Everybody has five life, unlimited mana, but you make three five-card packs. Randomly determine who goes first, and then you just battle. If you are not the kind of person who is plays a lot of commander because you don't want a 90-minute long game of politics, can I interest you in three three-minute games of politics? <laughs> <laughs> because there's never more trash, more easily hurt feelings than in a game of multiplayer pie gap. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it's great in Ravnica Allegiance. There are some pretty busted cards, like Ill-Gotten Inheritance. It's very good. Oh. <laughs> That's just five life right away. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> you, you drain everybody, and then they're all at four, so you could choose to kill one of them at any point. <laughs> which is wonderful. I, yesterday, had a pack where I played Mirror March, the five and a red enchantment that when a non-token creature enters the battlefield, you flip a coin. And when you win a flip, you make a token copy of that creature that has haste, and you exile it at the end of the turn. But you flip until you lose a flip. So you get to keep going. So great card in Pygow. Play that. Play your um, Watchful Giant, the 3-6 that makes a 1-1 human token. Get three or four copies of that. Play your Sarform hybrid. <laughs> make a couple <laughs> copies of that. Adapt it. Kill everyone immediately. There's so many things you can do. It's wonderful. That's got to be like, pretty crazy, too, because like Riot just being a mechanic... Mm -hmm. Would just be crazy because you're like, uh, I have this five power riot creature. Yes. Um, so I'll give it haste. Which one of you wants to incentivize me the most not to kill you? Yes. <laughs> the low life total and the fact that your memory just has to be short because you have two more games coming immediately after. I definitely spike killed somebody on turn one in our third game because turn before <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun if you have some friends and you all have packs i highly recommend a little multiplayer pie gow action i was saying that just sounds like a blast it sounds like a lot of fun i'm definitely gonna do that right i think officially if you have prize packs listeners play the only sanctioned and um sponsored let's remember some cards podcast format which is either pi gal but really just multiplayer pi gal so Let, let's call it the official pack cracking format of let's remember some cards oh yes i was actually infuriated because friday night friends of mine after fnm we went to get food and they wanted to play pack wars and the way the table was seated one side only played pack wars and they hated pi gal the other side only played pi gal and hated pack wars so we had to have a detente, and we played Pack Wars, and I was so infuriated. I was like, this is yeah. not fun. <laughs> no, no, no. PyGow Superior and multiplayer PyGow is a strictly better version of PyGow. Yes. We have to spread the word. So yeah. This actually kind of makes me upset. I was in When I was in Dallas, I was playing PyGow with uh, Quinn Kiefer, mm -hmm. and his brother wanted to play. And we just like had other people that would have played. We could have just played multiplayer. Yeah. <sighs> See, just, like, we just hadn't been invented yet. Spread the gospel, my friend. Spread yeah. the gospel. Well, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at RememberMTG or send us an email at RememberSomeCards at gmail.com. Eric, where on the internet can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter or on Twitch. Both of those handles are Conan Hawk, just my middle name and start of my last name. Conan um, like the Barbarian. Conan like the Barbarian. <laughs> my dad definitely wanted that to be my first name and my mom won out, so thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> And you you stream pretty regularly during the week. Uh yeah. Um, I will I will admit I'm a little sporadic, but I try to get uh, two to three times a week uh, streaming whatever format that I'll be testing for the next SCG event. So everybody check that out. Um, you know, feel free to shoot Eric a note, and then um, do shoot us a note. We would love your feedback on the podcast as always, and tell us what cards you want to remember. And until next time, don't forget to remember some cards. 